Hello, I'm Kane Winstead. Hello, Internet. I'm Matthew Derrigish. And you're listening to the Untold Talks of Spider-Man, where we'll be taking a look at the deep cuts and forgotten tales of the Spider-Man library, looking for lost gems and what it truly means to be a Spider-Man story. Today, we will be taking a look at part two of our alternative origins block, Spider-Man the Manga. Now, this is not the Mangaverse Spider-Man. This is not Spider-Man J. This is not, um... Spider-Roo. <laughs> well, the, Spider-Man J is another Japanese Spider-Man comic um, right. that Marvel actually did import. And this is not the Spider-Man TV show. This is the 1970 Spider-Manga which I will call it from now on. This was imported into the United States in 1998, however. So publishing date, technically 1970. However, we are reading the 1998 translation because I'm going to go ahead and speak for the both of us. We don't read Japanese. I'm, I'm assuming you don't, Matt. I don't. My wife does. Oh, well, let's get her on the show. Oh, okay. <laughs> This was uh, written and penciled by Ryoichi Aikegami and uh, translated by Mitsumi uh, Masuda, Masu, Ma, Masuda. Ma, Masuda and uh, the Mar- now Marvel editor-in-chief, C.B. Sibulski. Uh, ironically uh, not. Akira. Yeah, ironically not under his pen name, uh, Akira Yoshida, you know. I think that's something Marvel kind of wants to sweep under the rug. Also, interesting to note, retouching and production is by Dan uh, Nakakrosis. Um, we'll we'll get into that a little bit. And edited by, of course, Tom Brevoort. Uh, Matt, why don't you tell us where we can not find this? This is not something you're going to find easily. Digitally, not really available in those places you'd <clears throat> normally look. Nor has it been collected in trades in English, nor was the whole thing officially translated. You can purchase uh, some physical copies online or at your local comic shop if they happen to have these around. Early issues are going for about $2 a pop, and near the end of the run, it steeply increases in price as the print run got, print run got more rare and copies are nearly impossible to find yeah this is this is one that came out just a little too soon i think to really catch on that big manga craze um and yeah like matt said they never decades no no this this was uh, are you talking about the 98 i was talking about the. i'm talking about yeah i'm talking about the 98 one well no it hit the manga craze in japan (laughs) (laughs) yeah manga's manga's always really popular in japan (laughs) Uh, anyway, um, like Spider-Man India, the Spider-Manga is an attempt to adapt Spider-Man into another culture rather than just import over the American comics. Uh, the decision to do this came in part because Japan's comic market, like I just said, is, you know, really healthy. It's, I think the, I think it's the biggest in the world. Uh, I think it's bigger than ours. Um, okay, well. However, Marvel was having difficulty getting their foot in the door overseas. Uh, They tried to actually just run translated Spider-Man stories in a weekly serial uh, because comic series in Japan are typically weekly. And uh, apparently it bombed so hard they didn't even get to finish the first 10 weeks. Like, it bombed. Uh, Gene Pelk, 
who was Marvel's ambassador in Japan, realized that American comics were too foreign in concept, ideology, and style to really appeal to the Japanese market. Thus, the spider manga was born. Unfortunately, I couldn't really find too much information on how it was received, kind of like Spider-Man India. I guess, you know, searching for reactions to a manga 50 years ago in a language I can't even read or easily type. Apparently that makes research difficult. So uh, I did find out that the whole series has been recollected a few times uh, and as recently in 2006. So I think that speaks a little bit for the reception um, or at least the legacy of the artists involved. As far as, like, the actual publication went, the Spider-Manga ran in Monthly Shonen Magazine for 13 chapters from January 1970 through September 1971. As the title implies, Monthly Shonen Mo Magazine was a monthly black-and-white anthology serial that was typical for the Japanese market and still is. What's important to know is that the chapters in, like, a Japanese serial are longer in page count than your typical American series. They're also much more decompressed. Panels are larger, dialogue is more spread out, and there is a much stronger focus on visuals. That must have changed. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little different now, but especially back then reading because i i actually just finished reading uh devil man uh after watching the netflix adaptation and yeah it, it's it's much like a lot of the panels are like really wide shots and anyway anyway right. anyway well no we need to come back to that yeah so all, all that is to say is that reading it now as it's presented to us in america at the like with the chapters chopped up in three parts leads to some like awkward transitions the the book will just like end and then you pick up the next one and it starts right back up well that's that's because these were supposed to be these were presented as one big chapter uh the first three issues and the last three issues are actually just the first two chapters of this story on top of that this was this came out in 98 which was about four years before the big manga boom so we have a few things indicative of the time namely the book has been mirrored so that it has the western left to right reading rather than retaining the original japanese right to left which takes some getting used to if you're used to reading the Japanese manga in the Japanese style. Other than that, there was also mentioning of some content editing, but I believe that's for the later chapters because the uh, the writers change, and when the new writer comes on, he's less interested in adapting Spider-Man villains and more just kind of taking it in his own direction, and so it does take a darker more violent turn but i was unable to find untranslated copies to to check to see if we got anything cut here uh that that that's about it as far as the background goes was there anything you wanted to add matt there is because at the end of the first issue uh tom brevoort has an interview where he's talking about that transition period where they tried to bring over spider-man comics and it just wasn't clicking and, and what he was saying was is he found uh, some uh, manga artists looking at adapting it and they're saying it looks like american comics are meant to be read whereas japanese comics are meant to be viewed mm -hmm. and so that's where you get these more spaced out panels you have less words on a given page also keep in mind the pages are formatted completely differently a manga page is 
smaller than American page and typically black and white. It very comparatively, I don't want to say simplistic, but you have more focus on a handful of images to try to move the story along and not so much this uh, big continuity and maybe even less Will Eisner influence, if you will. You don't have these pages that kind of mold into whatever. There's very broken frames and it, it moves very quickly. It, it's meant for your eye to kind of go through as efficiently as possible. Yes, for sure. I, I think in that same interview, uh, Brevoort mentions that like uh, a Japanese artist said, you know, what you guys do in a 22 page comic uh, you know, for a Japanese audience, a Japanese artist would take like a hundred chapters, which for, you know, those yeah. who might be like into the more contemporary shonens like One Piece, I'm sure you can relate. I think there's like a thousand, like, or no, I think there's like, I think there's a thousand episodes of the anime, but I think there are like something like 8,000 chapters right now or like well, insane. That's the longest running yeah, manga yeah. of all time. So, well, yeah. Dragon Ball's really long too. Yeah, comparatively though, not as yeah. yeah. Though I mean, Dragon Ball balls get split up differently. But we're not here to talk about the ins and outs manga. We're here to talk about Spider Man. <laughs> Spider manga. But I think it's important to note some of that though. Like this translation between American comics and manga doesn't happen very frequently, and this is a very interesting peculiarity, not just for Spider-Man, but for comics in this way, as the transfer of talent between manga and American comics happens very rarely. Marvel got one such with uh, Felipe Smith, who did uh, Pipo Chu and a handful of other things in the manga side of things, and came over and worked on Ghost Rider and I think a handful of other issues at Marvel for a while. And that transfer of talent, like, if you look at the stuff, it, it he just... You have to be such an adaptive artist to be doing those sorts of things that it's almost invisible that he had influence from both sides for that. And so coming here, trying to see the American influence uh, through this Spider-Man, I think it's washed away and this holds its own as a comic in a way that Spider-Man India just didn't. Right, like as as an adaptation, this is extremely bold, but... I think I think somehow still manages to hold on to the Spider-Man feel better than Spider-Man India does, despite the fact that we have like aside from the radioactive spider, that's about it. Like we have the radioactive spider and we have the costume and we have the same costumes for the villains. And then past that we have like it's it, uh, there's no Aunt May like, there's no Mary Jane, there's no Gwen Stacy, you know, it's, I mean, there's not even a Peter Parker, there's, there's a, you know, what's his name, uh, Yukimori? He's our Spider-Man here. Yeah, yeah, he, he's our Spider-Man. So let's, let's, let's jump in, let's jump in. So we, you know, we, we open up, and we've got uh, our hero Yu, he is staying, he's like at his school, staying after class doing experiments is like one of his teachers comes in and says like you should probably go home now you've been here a long time and he's like yeah whatever and then accidentally irradiates himself and like a spider like it's interesting because like the it looks like he's working on a miniature version of the big science experiment from amazing fantasy 15 mm -hmm. um but, you know, he gets bitten by a radioactive spider and then goes home and becomes Spider-Man. Like, I mean, like, it's, he gets, he gets the spider powers and he kind of discovers them. Yeah, but during that process, he looks ill. Um, yes. 
and people can kind of tell he's off. And I feel like that's important because we're talking about radiation and the way Americans perceive that ending up ending in superpowers versus Japanese with radiation. And the reason we were all talking about radiation at this era uh, between Japan and America, bit of an aspect. Yeah, it's it's important to remember this this was written in 19 or this is published in 1970. Uh, you know, knowing how manga works it was probably also written in 1970. But I mean, 1948 not terribly or 40 46. Yeah, yeah, not a lifetime ago, you know. Yeah, not a lifetime ago. Uh well now now I feel let's see what was unless well, anyways. Um Yeah. But I I mean so What's interesting is, I mean, there's some different things, but I mean, the power you find quickly and first isn't sticking to a wall. It's not really Spider. He punches out a metal girder in a construction site. Mm -hmm. And like in a display of strength, you rarely see Peter display like this is this is some like golden age Superman. Well, not like early Superman strength level stuff like this is punching out steel like Mm -hmm. his ability uh to display power is front and center and that's followed quickly by him uh sticking to a wall and him realizing that oh the spider yeah yeah like he almost immediately is like oh must have been that spider and then he goes and like studies spiders like he he gets like really invested in like studying spiders he formulates his own web fluid he sews his own spider-man costume and like these are all things that are shown on panel and his web shooters are like these hexagonal things with a big knob. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to put it. They look very Sentai. Yeah, well, that, that's because they look similar to the ones in the Sentai Spider-Man show. The only difference is on that one, his were external. And this one, they, they go under the suit. But you're, you're right. I, I, I want to say that the sh- whoever was designing the costume for the show probably read the spider manga and saw that um, because it's uncanny. The resemblance. Right. Amazing or spectacular even. <laughs> even web of. <laughs> Okay, yeah, yeah. So so he gets the, the the spider powers and then his aunt shows up, which I I think is the only time she appears in either of these two stories just for like one panel. Uh to say that uh use pen pal Rumiko Shirash Shiraishi. Um <laughs> God, I'm I am I'm just in embarrassment with these names. <laughs> Said that uh she sent him a letter. And she is traveling to Tokyo uh, later to reveal in search of her brother who who went out to Tokyo in search of a job. And then that, that's where the kind of the plot for this chapter picks up. Thickens even. <laughs> yeah, it thickens. Uh, is you and uh, Rumiko looking for Rumiko's brother. And the meanwhile, Electro has appeared on the scene and he's some sort of cyborg according to the dialogue that has been robbing banks and so important to note that we never get like there is no uncle ben there's no uncle ben like we we never get a scene with you know spider-man shirking off his responsibilities showboating there there's or or anything right but his um his reasons for becoming a hero are also different. Right. And differently yeah. formed and differently framed. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Le- so before we get there, we should set up the problem. Because that's more right. how this comic treats it. And I think that's mm-hmm. important. Electro shows up 
Uh, it looks like Electro, but it also looks like a Mega Man villain. Well, it, it's definitely a like Electro Japanese. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a Japanese styled villain where he looks sinister, but like also kind of like comedic. It's it's important to note that like the the art on this is edging on cartoonish everything has a very round quality to it this this will change later would you not agree with that i you're not wrong it's just it looks like a manga well so yeah it feels it's kind of like a weird way to go around talking about like this is some spider-man characters thrown into a manga it's very much in the style of like a 70s manga like it, it has a very particular look to it and and you know anime back then was more it the, the disney influence was still strong because i mean the, that's where the the quote-unquote anime look comes from is just a stylized adaptation of, of disney and so you definitely still see that here with like large expressive eyes large mouths wow um, um what yeah what, you, you don't agree with that i mean again you're not necessarily wrong but that's also a, a weird um, way to sum up just what manga looks like. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's some are you saying there. I, are you saying that I'm I'm stroking with like a wide brush on you know just giving our listeners a background, uh, you know, but, understanding on something that's not necessarily important. I'm sorry, I'm done being catty right now. <laughs> uh, right, it's just such a weird. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, anyways, Electro shows up. This thing looks like a comic book made in japan (laughs) he's robbing a bank and blown blowing stuff up basically i so classic supervillain shenanigans happening not in response to spider-man spider-man's never really appeared in any way like electro is first right uh, which i think is important to note um Mm -hmm. and how do you pronounce her name rico rico uh uh rumiko rumiko wow just forgetting them uh (laughs) but i his pen pal shows up and to me it was funny because like they've been pen pals but uh clearly you is like hot for and that's just kind of thrown in well you know she 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 cute and you know he's 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 a young lad you know and and unlike you know spider-man india he's still kind of like a bookworm and bullied because of this so like I, i think it's fair to say he's probably not super popular with the ladies so the fact that he has this girl that's talking to him and showing interest in him like you know whatever yeah she she comes to tokyo and says that she's looking for her her brother because her mother is ill and they need to discuss her medical expenses which i think they said were about like ten thousand dollars electro shows up and you discovers that there is a one hundred thousand dollar bounty on electro put up by not jameson the the newspaper publisher yeah who never gets his name is he named i don't recall that happening no um but it's also should be noted that you is paid to take photos of these incidents as well and he gets Mm -hmm. an advance so he can get a motorcycle and a camera right which is a sick advance (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i know right well i mean uh, yeah <laughs> well and i say that for two reasons a interesting moment also to me that's something that separates you from peter he's got a little more charisma he's got a little more uh people skills 
Right. He is bullied and picked on at school, but you, you're right. He, you never get the the sense that he's like an outcast. You know, the the second chapter has him hanging out with his friends uh, or friend, and so you're right. Yeah, he definitely has a little bit more charisma to him. Yeah, it's this ten thousand or a hundred thousand dollar bounty, which is why he decides to go out and try to fight Electro. But again, not so that he can have the money. It's so that he can help uh, Rumiko, which I also wonder if the like well, difference. He wants to help Rumiko pay the hospital bills for her brother. Right. Yeah. Well, no, he doesn't. He doesn't know that the brother has hospital bills yet. He's just looking to pay the hospital bills for her mother first. Right. Right. He, for her family. Yeah, he, yeah, he doesn't learn about the brother's hospital bills until the end of the chapter, which he takes care of in a different way. <laughs> so Electro continues stealing, and uh, the the man who he was working with um, puts up a little bit of a fight because he's seeing that what they're doing is wrong. The guy helping Electro felt wronged uh, by society because he was this brilliant electric engineer and was never given his due, and so he was taking money that he felt he deserved uh, through uh, Electro, which he helped. Create. Right. Let's unpack that a little bit because, okay, so for Electro, the way Electro got his powers in this was not by accident, but like, like you said, to, to exact some sort of revenge. So you've got this electrical engineer who discovers some way to give people electric superpowers or something or he has some sort of experiment with electricity that he is not allowed to do and gets shunned from from his community because of that and i mean do, do we want to do we want to just like go ahead and jump to the the big spoiler i mean yeah, i think to move to... through this it makes the most sense rumiko's brother moves to tokyo in order to make money but soon is involved in a accident in where he runs over he hits somebody doesn't or doesn't he like is it a hit and run or, or there's an accident yeah there's an accident and then he ends up indebted to this electrical engineer and allows him to run experiments on himself and becomes electro and so once he becomes Electro, he starts robbing banks in order to pay back his debt to the electrical engineer, but soon be, uh, becomes obsessed with the power he has and the money he's able to make. And so he kind of turns on, on the, the engineer who is not named. What's interesting about that, too, is that there's this theme here that's carried throughout the book of the mm -hmm. villains and what Spider-Man's doing in their use of the power uh, hit a tighter parallel, I feel, where mm -hmm. Spider-Man's going to try to make money because he's trying to help out. He's trying to do something, but he is using his powers to make money. Right. Whereas Electro is using his powers to make money, but he's robbing and stealing, not cashing in rewards. There's a clear moral line, but it's like a mere image thing in their motivations, more so than mm -hmm. in their abilities or... Uh, something about them super personally, but it's about their actions and how they're using the power. And I thought that was, it, it, it carried through in the story in a way that made it feel more engaging and different, but similar to Spider-Man in a lot of ways. 
Right. Spider-Man Electro tussle for the first time and it, you know, Electro just wipes the floor with Spider-Man. Just, it's not, it's not, no contest. Would would you agree with that? Yeah, no, he gets, he gets a whooped, but this is also his first time being, and this is funny, when he comes out as Spider-Man, there's this big panel and it's, I'm Spider-Man, but the Spider-Man is like the logo. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He, uh, the, the letterer used the regular Spider-Man logo when he's like, I'm, well, first he says like, I'm the man spider. Yeah, I, I'm a human like, spider. No, no, I'm no, wait. Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I got that tight. Oh, I figured it out on the go there. Uh, <laughs> which is funny too, to me, because, uh, that logo had to be relatively recent. Cause that's like the logo that's used for like the nineties cartoon and all that, which came later. It is what they had on say the original comics. So, well, I, I think that was definitely done by the, the translator, uh, when it was lettered in 98 rather than in the seventies. You know, that's a good point. That stands to reason, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause especially cause that logo was in English and, and, you know, in Latin letters rather than, well, to, but to say that the logo couldn't have showed up in Japanese, I, you know, stuff like that does happen. But in this case, True. you're totally right. <laughs> anyway they they tussled the second time you know you tells rumiko that he's not he was not able to get the money that he promised he was going to be able to and she's about to leave back for her home hometown but before they go you wants to take her shopping so at least she has something like it was like well your mom's dying and we never found your brother but i bought you a scarf yeah and you know just so happens to be that electro has the bright idea that not you know money is in places other than banks so i'm gonna rob this department store <laughs> and it just so happens to be the department store that use in they fight again and, th- and, th- and th- this is where like we the series takes like a real dark turn really quickly where the uh the engineer the electrical engineer has a change of heart and attempts to talk down electro and then electro accidentally kills him by touching him and then realizes that he will never be able to touch anybody ever again because he accidentally just killed the only person who could reverse this and then like lashes out at spider-man who just kind of like happens to wander out on the scene at this point and then they fight and then spider-man accidentally kills electro by punching him once well i mean yes although i don't so Electro gets punched, and then there's, like, this huge explosion, basically. Well, he, he like, punches him, and then he hits a, uh, like, a transformer on top of a building. Like, an electrical transformer. Oh, not is that like what that's Autobot. supposed to be? It's just a box on a building, so I didn't know if that was supposed to be um, I'm actually I'm actually, like, that. pulling pulling the comic back out right I'm now. I'm looking at it right now. It's just, mm-hmm. it's a box on a roof. If that's supposed to be a transformer, cool. That would make sense. Yeah, like, I just, I just assumed it was a transformer because of the way, like, you're right that it just it looks like an explosion. I had a but similar I, thought, but the, I was wondering if it was supposed to be Electro like had all this in him, and then that was it, like letting it out or something. No, uh, I, I actually no. Okay, so I'm I'm looking at it. We're looking at it close. I'm looking at it closely now. So we have the last page, which is a two page spread, which doesn't exist really in manga. This is definitely something they did when they brought it over into uh, the comic, which you can tell because like 
th- that's another thing I want to talk about real quickly. The images on this are clearly blown up. Um, you can, you know, if you look at the lines, there's, you know, a lot of artifacting from the image being, especially on the thinner lines. Um, so the quality isn't great. But if you look at this box, there is a really large dent in the back where his head is or where his head hit. So I I think what happens is that Spider-Man punches him. He punches him so hard. He hits head first in this concrete block, which is probably looking at it again, probably just like the enclosure over the staircase to get to the roof. Yeah, it's, yeah, like, there's no detail, like, there's not a door or, like, mm-hmm. what would be a sticker to indicate. Well, it's probably, the... like, the side. Right, right, right. That's why I wasn't, that's why I was confused when you said, mm-hmm. like, generate, and I was like, it could be either one, because it's just a boxer. So, the confusion, it doesn't necessarily matter. Spider-Man knocks his block off, and then, yeah, he does kill him. The only reason we know he's killed, those because his sister says, oh, my brother, that was killed by Spider-Man. Which comes after the greatest headline I've ever written in a comic ever. Finally, a superhero, Public Menace Electro, defeated with one punch. (laughs) We got the real one punch man here. Yeah, but like, so we don't have an Uncle Ben scene in this. But, and this, this comes up in the next chapter. This like, guilt from killing this guy and like, not not just because killing this guy, but killing this guy in like one punch and and from his spider powers really messes with you. Like he has nightmares over this and he's really apprehensive about ever becoming Spider-Man again because he's like, I, I didn't mean to do that. And I just murdered a guy. Right. Mm-hmm. So which is a more complicated thing, I think. Like, here's a Spider-Man that killed, not intentionally, and because he doesn't understand the limits of his power. And again, the focus of the power is on, like, brutal physical force, less mm-hmm. so than anything to do with the spider stuff. Right. And, I, you know, I th- I think, you know, I don't want to read too much into it, the, into this, and it might be reading too much into this, but, it, you know, because of the the tie back to radioactivity and and the fact that he got these powers from the radiation the fear and almost like shame that he feels employing this this strength it's again it's hard you know this is 25 years after the atomic uh the atomic bombs were dropped on japan so it's hard to not think that had at least something to do with how this was written i I don't know that that might be me again going way off and reading too much into something no i i think that's valid Mm. okay cool i'm I'm, I'm glad you let me have one of my like harebrained uh theories but yeah yeah that's that's how this this issue plays out is that you know electro was rumiko's brother trying you know he started out trying to get money for his sick mother but becomes like corrupted by power and did did you feel like any sort of like counterculture or maybe like yeah like any any sort of like counterculture feel to this because 
I got a little bit of a sense of like this was a, somewhat of a cultural commentary. I mean, there's definitely some cultural commentary in here. I don't know if I'd mm-hmm. say counterculture necessarily, but mm-hmm. I mean, that tracks. Right. Uh, um, but I mean, there's some stuff in here that maybe would lend that way in America that it wouldn't hear, like the use of a motorcycle. It'd be mm-hmm. more like edgy here. There, it's kind of like, no, it's more fuel efficient. You get around. And, it's smaller you know. too. And, you know, there's yeah. so many, especially in Tokyo, like so many people. This idea of him trying to do the right thing. But I mean, this idea that the way money is treated here is not like a root of all evil, but kind of a resource and mm-hmm. it's about acquiring it and what you your actions are what matter right here and that focus I, again they don't say it as explicitly but it's responsibility mm-hmm. but it's not uncle ben droning on again about this whole thing it's just inherent in the story from the way it's told right exactly uh, it's it's much more compact which i guess you know fits, fits. <laughs> Quickly, and some of what you were talking about, again, that kind of uh, PTSD of this whole thing plays Mm -hmm. through when we're starting up the next story, which is the lizard, who looks like your second rendition lizard, uh, Romita, with the snout and whatnot, Uh, not the plot face, since I know you hate the amazing movies. (laughs) (laughs) Man, we're just continuing to get shots in. Anyway, uh... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, so we get the the lizard story. We open up with actually this like really well rendered. It's hard to call it beautiful because typically when when I say beautiful, I, I think color. But like it's a beautiful like jungle jungle scene, uh, and then we see someone getting pushed off of a uh, off of a cliff, and then we kind of like jump into the story where we see uh, this. Uh, oh well. I, no, no, I'm getting ahead of myself. No, no. So we, we, we see we see this guy come back. He comes back to Japan and then he transforms into the lizard and kills his wife. Right? Like you do. Yeah, like you do. You know, you just you come back from the jungle, you turn into a lizard, you start murdering people. Um, that's when we jump into the story. Back to this being something that you skim more, the the story sums up the incident well, right basically right after it happens, there's this little like news brief that uh you see Mm -hmm. uh, being read in the paper a lizard monster appears coda pharmaceuticals main plant was attacked by a violent lizard monster five of its factories were destroyed and burnt to the ground the president mr coda angrily accused his competitors of sabotaging his operations by sending this monster which he believes is actually a robot (laughs) well you know Some people do corporate en- uh, espionage. Some people just destroy companies with lizard robots. Well, and what's cool was Electra was a cyborg. Well, and- they, they said he was a cyborg. I, I don't know if he like ever actually Given was. that he was built up by an electrical engineer, I'm willing to... And the that, fact that he looked fair. like a Mega Man villain. I, that, I fully believe he's a cyborg. Right. And then the idea that they assume that the lizard's a robot, but in fact he is... A human. Yeah, well, sort of. A lizard. Yeah, an actual <laughs> lizard, yeah. Duh. Um, <laughs> but Kamori, you know, mm-hmm. you, believes that this is a robot at first, too. Like, it just tracks with him. Like, this is believable that this monstrous thing is obviously just some malicious robot. Well, I mean... Because it's I th- Japan. Well, Japan, but I think that's also, like, the trope is that, you know, really popular right now are... Or, you know, sci-fi, you know, sci-fi elements. So, yeah, of course it's a robot. Of course the last guy was a cyborg. It's uh, it's just what, what you expect in this kind of genre. And so I, I think the fact that it actually ends up be- being, like, a flesh and blood, like, 
thing is uh, an inversion of that but we're, we're getting a little a little ahead of ourselves well i just think that was such a great like cultural moment right oh now. yeah yeah definitely definitely um we get back at school one of you's friends uh akura invites them back to his house for uh you know just some cigarettes and booze like you do in high school well but they're actually like kids they're not these like weirdly chase like goody two-shoe kids like they're yeah yeah like yeah they're getting into trouble like you know you can't really stomach the alcohol and doesn't really know how to smoke the cigarette right and then akura's like here let me show you and then his dad kicks down the door and starts like screaming at him like this is why you'll never get in a good school you're not studying and then that's when we learn that akura's uh father is the the mr koda from the uh, pharmaceutical companies that are being destroyed and so we start to get start to tie all the the story threads together a little bit you know and then and then we we're starting to see uh you ruminating over his incident with electro like like we talked about the, the ptsd i should note uh a cure here is is a little uh proto ganky yeah yeah he yeah you're right he's he he kind of kind of has that same you know jovial kind of he's also a little bit like pleasantly rot- plump yeah well yeah i was gonna say rotund but yeah pleasantly good thing plump. i came in <laughs> yeah he's tons of fun you uh, <laughs> decides after seeing like overhearing mr coda talk about like a man who can transform into a lizard he's like well that sounds dumb let me go talk to my friend he's a professor he'll know about if people can transform into lizards like this this story is i think a lot campier than the electro story like there's just a lot of but even in that camp right mm-hmm. yeah obviously but no i'm gonna go confer with my scientist friend you know to make sure i love that <laughs> i got to make sure people can't turn into lizards but i mean he's he's like checking his facts you know he's doing the diligent thing you know like maybe something maybe people are turning into lizards now I don't know. There was an electric robot walking down the street last week and some Spider-Man punched him to a wall and he exploded. I'm just going to check. You know, like that, that like is like so amazing and also kind of so believable because there's all this weird stuff happening that you're like, that's ridiculous. But yeah, I just, right. Th- that's the sort of texture that made this so enjoyable for me. And uh, of course, the great irony is the, the, his professor friend is, of course, the one who can transform into a lizard. And he's like, no, that's ridiculous. Why would people do that? And then <laughs> and Akra's like, did he look funny to you? And, and you's like, no, no, he's fine. He's like, but I noticed a lot of dried blood around there. And that's when the lizard attacks. Um, so, you know, it's... <laughs> This was a really enjoyable story and like because it it's got just that right level of silver age charm just but but filtered through like a Japanese manga. Right. Well, which I think the silver ageiest moment is uh how he became the lizard. <laughs> just to catch us up to that moment then. So so Akra gets kidnapped. The lizard calls up Mr. Koda and says that, you know, deliver your research notes for you know this medicine you've been trying to develop or i kill your son spider-man overhears or well you is in the same room and then transforms into spider-man 
and then tells Mr. Coda that he heard everything using his spider hearing. <laughs> and um See not all the powers are the same. Right, right, right. And offers his assistance and says, you know, like uh, like basically so you know, I'll go as your bodyguard. And then yeah, yeah, so we we you know, we get to the drop off point. Professor Imaru reveals himself to be the lizard. And it's like I'm just I'm just gonna straight up read like word for word his explanation because it's it's amazing. It's gold and I I, I want because these are so difficult to find, I, I just want to share it with you guys so so you you can understand why we love this this issue so much. So it's revealed that Inmaru is the guy at the beginning of the story who was pushed off the, the, the mountain in the jungle because Mr. Koda had discovered some sort of the both of them were on a, an expedition. And they had discovered a new herb that could be used for a medicine. And then Koda decided that he wanted this to himself and attempted to kill Inmaru. <laughs> so Inmaru monologues saying, but you failed to kill me. I didn't die. I fell, but I lived. I found myself in a terrible place. Countless gigantic lizards begin to attack me. Yes, that place was definitely a world where the strong prey upon the weak. I fought and survived my need for revenge, keeping me alive. Then one day, all of a sudden, my body experienced a Darwinian change. Darwinian? In a word, a transformation. As I was constantly attacked by the lizards, uh, I overcame my fear of them. I found myself intimidating... er imitating the movements and actions of the lizards by doing this my nervous system was affected and it adapted to these new patterns i felt my body changing becoming more lizard-like i also took on their urge to slaughter so mimicking their movements from my cage (laughs) i just yeah so like he doesn't become the lizard because of some sort of scientific accident or because he was granted the power by like some lizard god, he literally just acted like a lizard for so long. His body's like, "All right, screw it. You're a lizard now. Deal with it." Like, <laughs> um, and like it's just, <laughs> but it's played straight, and everyone buys it. No one calls calls it out, and so it's like that's ridiculous. Everyone's like, "Yeah, yeah, no, this 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 checks out." All right, let's fight now. And then he and Spider-Man fight and it again turns super dark. So the lizard destroyed the the notes. Coda brought the notes and the lizard's like, well, I'm also going to kill your son now because, you know, I'm the bad guy. And he and Spider-Man tussle. uh, And oh, I'm sorry. The method of execution was death by being lowered into a pit of alligators, which, you know, well, well, call back to Amazing Spider-Man 6, was it? With the lizard introduction, there was a pit of alligators, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Well, what's funny, too, is uh, Spider-Man throws the lizard in, and then it kind of cuts away, and there's this big, ha! And Spider-Man just says to himself, the doctor, he's human again. (laughs) Right, so, like, he throws him into the pit of alligators, and then, for some reason, when he does this, he transforms back into a human, and then is, like, violently devoured, like, semi-on-panel, 
and like you you see like his hand like raise up out of like the pit and then like slowly sink his bloodied hand slowly sink back down as spider-man just like watches and like white knuckles the railing well no 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 it's it's true like so you no, like, it's totally true like it's he funny because it's ridiculous like, well he throw he throws him he lands in there spider-man tries to reach out and catch him he's got he's got a web to to counterbalance and then he's reaching out and then yeah then you see the screen and then spider-man's like the doctor he's human again and then you have the next panel is like all these alligators thrashing around you have huge blood splatters and then like a close-up of spider-man then a close-up of his hand with a grip sound effect and then spider-man like covering his face and shaking and then you see amaru's hand sinking down it's beautiful right yeah yeah it's i mean (laughs) (laughs) like this is this is a spider-man that you know lets the bad guys die right and then well i mean he's i think he still has some like shame about it because you know everyone's congratulatory of him and like coda's like yeah you killed that guy and mission accomplished and then you have spider-man walking like down like an, an empty street and then this narration says next time if that kind of monster appeals or appears i'll have to determine who the real monster is with my spider sense and then it ends um that's how you do it. Yeah, that's how you do it. They're, they're, I mean, they're, they're weird stories, and yeah, they're super campy, but they're still, there's still something about them that's so uniquely Spider-Man, and I think part of it has to do with that contemplation that, like, there is a responsibility to my powers. Like, I can't just listen to what other people say and take that as good. I have to look into myself and understand that, like, and rely on my spider sense but you know i i have to i have to make sure to keep my own morality in check approaching with great power must also come great responsibility without necessarily saying that line which i think is super important for any of these adaptations to be doing yes yes i agree so so yeah so there are Six chapters by Royoichi Ikigami, which span for, I believe, the first 20 or so issues of this. And then we get the next writer. He comes on for a few more chapters, but I think only one and a half of his uh, of his chapters were translated. You know, the series was canceled due to low sales partially i think because this is so far divorced from what people were looking for with spider-man right now i mean like you got to remember this was 1998 so we were right now in the middle of like this is right before chapter one started up if i were if i'm getting my timeline correct so i mean this is like in the middle of spider hunt this is when slingers is happening this is yeah this is this is no, no no this is concurrent to slingers slingers was 98 yeah um so but i mean different things. Yeah, different yeah different things well, <laughs> Very different well that, that's what i'm that's what i'm saying is that this was this is not like a marvel comic and also you know something i didn't notice until you know this morning these comics these are the, the first issue was four dollars and yeah we don't bat an eye at that right now in 98 comics were what two dollars 
Yeah, no, these were, these had a bit of a premium yeah, on them. Yeah, these had a premium on them. And not only did they have a bit of a premium on them, but you were only getting a third of the story. You weren't actually getting the full chapter with each issue. I, I really think that Marvel should revisit this and I think retranslate, well, I, I, maybe not retranslate. Or complete translating. Wait, what? Complete translation. Yeah, yeah, complete translation of what they did and preserving the the, the art and re-releasing it because i mean these are these are really enjoyable stories uh and a really really solid uh adaptation not necessarily like a one-to-one adaptation but a different take a different take that's just the right level of familiarity i think um okay well i feel like you skipped ahead a little bit yeah yeah so i think we're going a little long so i just went ahead and rolled both of our our topics in into one. Yeah, I mean, this definitely does. I mean, this feels like a Spider-Man story, but it definitely uh, diverges. Right. And so you're going with reissued, and I agree. This is very much a case where I would like this to be literally reissued and put mm-hmm. out in a better way because these these issues in and of themselves are great. And it's funny because when manga is put out collected, they normally put out the equivalent of what a trade would be. Mm-hmm. So I find it funny when they bring it over that they wouldn't make a nice published thing that would be more of an artifact to buy especially if it's going to be at a premium right i I mean i think that part of that had to do with just the timing manga didn't really hit mainstream until i think it was viz uh put out uh their 100 manga in uh bookstores where they where they published like in reverse reading quote-unquote reverse uh reading order you know uh without really any sort of editing uh well this would have been the era too where marvel is bringing over akira and whatnot as well uh, i thought thought akira was i thought akira was uh, early 90s i mean yeah i'm saying okay yeah yeah Uh, i mean it took a while for it to finish too right you're you're right yeah marvel was bringing over akira under their epic uh imprint um and that that was actually really popular uh over here it was one of the i think the first big kind of like splashes as far as uh japanese media and to bring that over they colored mm-hmm. it so uh, there's a lot of stuff going on there and so like marvel is making an effort to bring stuff over and then something like this is a natural connection but i those akira um collections were put together into trades and so i find it interesting that that didn't happen here but maybe the low sales just meant it didn't translate yeah i definitely think that that you know the the low interest in this title was just a timing issue i think if they brought it back over now and especially if they put it out in like a trade i think it would sell much better mm-hmm. oh yeah but anyway, all right. Well, moving on to the great web of rankings. Where do you want to put this one? I don't think it's necessarily as good as the child within, say, but maybe a little, uh, little stronger than vibes. Ooh. See, I was going to put it high. I was def- like, it was definitely going to be in the. I, I was, I was putting it more around. I was probably going to put it below vibes, and uh, so I'm, I'm glad that we've typically always been putting books around the same area the only reason i like i would you know initially put vibes over this was just because vibes is such a good one and done like it's it's accessible and it it speaks 
to the superhero medium at large and the kind of impact it can have on on a reader not necessarily as just as a work of fiction but working more into like a morality tale and this doesn't really have that element but then i also don't want to just hold every story like you know accountable having you know and and say that it has to speak to you know something larger to to be high on our list because ultimately like this is a list on this is a completely arbitrary list on our enjoyment of the series this is a definitive list of some of the best spider-man stories ever told uncountered by anything else online (laughs) so i don't know what you're talking about our research and depth of knowledge of the character is informing every one of these decisions (laughs) most scientifically accurate all right Uh, (laughs) all right um so where where did you want to put? I, I was going to put it below vibes, just below uh-huh. vibes. But I, I, you know, I I could be you know you could argue me above vibes. I just want to hear I would I just want to hear what what your reasoning is to put it above vibes. I mean, vibes is a good one and done, but it also is kind of a one and done that's sitting between uh, bigger arcs to kind of be a bit of a breather. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it's great at that. It's high on our list for a good reason. It's a great issue. Everyone should check it out. I just feel like. I, I got such a kick out of reading this in a way that I very few things that we've gone through have, have tickled me this That's way. That's true. You did commit I, sacrilege when you were telling me about this. <laughs> Should we reveal this to the readers or, or do, do we want to keep your shame hidden? Re- reveal what? There's no shame. There's no... There, what, what part are you talking about? <laughs> well, I, I, just, I just said that you said this was better than a certain other comic. Oh, oh, the origin story I felt was a little stronger than Amazing Fantasy 15. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're um, not going to unpack that yeah. because I feel like that's an entirely different show. But um, yeah, y'all can battle that out in the comments on Twitter or something. I don't know. I don't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, there's some of what came first, what inspires. That's going to inform a lot of people's argument. I just feel like in taking something, this blew it out. This took some elements, but like did something so crazy with it i don't know i i just got a joy of reading it. i think a lot of that comes down to i'm just relatively sick of seeing that story over and over again because i've encountered it too many times in my life that, that's fair the amazing fantasy 15 one um so i i mean i just this was spider-man but just in such a different context in such a different way and every story was taking some familiar elements but doing crazy new things with it and I don't know. There's just a joy to it, but I mean, I guess some of it's just kind of the the culture shock right. aspect for me that it's fresh to me. But if you're coming at this a uh, little bit of a different mentality, it might just feel like, oh, this is just taking tropes and assigning it with uh, you know some Spider-Man stuff. Okay, well then, I'm, I'm, I, I see what you're saying. I'm going to take this one step further. Like, do you think this is like a fresher take than than the Child Within? Like, do you think this is more more creative or more like um groundbreaking i don't the child within was playing with characters and doing some stuff that to me seems actually kind of obvious with spider-man that rarely gets touched Mm -hmm. upon and and really playing on that in a way that we don't see um if there's any negative to the child within i i point to kind of the overly sometimes dark uh without some of the humor that informs the characters part of the reason we like it and that's Mm -hmm. um relatively absent in that story 
but I, I mean, that's it. But I mean, I feel like that that is held in this story. You know, there is some humor. There is some actual human stories to it. And I guess I like that aspect a lot. Like, the, these feel more human. These feel more grounded than a lot of other Spider-Man stories we read. And so that aspect carries through. Man of the people. You know, you, you definitely comes off as a teenager who is who gets superpowers but like there's not angst over it but there's still like an apprehension over it like this is like some sort of horrible transformation that's happened to him he uses it when when it's going to benefit himself but not necessarily in a selfish way it's he uses it when it's going to be an asset to himself i think is is a better way to to put that like when he needs to you know help his friend so that she can pay for her mother's medical bills or when his other friend gets kidnapped and so he can become spider-man and you know rescue him uh it's just it's interesting because he uses spider-man when it's an asset to himself but you know in you know the the american spider-man spider-man is used as a detriment to peter parker it's never an asset so it's just an interesting inversion and and anyway anyway you 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 have definitely argued me above vibe so i i think i think this will be our new number two spider-man or the spider manga number one through six and that is how we shall <laughs> all right so next time on the untold talks of spider-man we'll be covering what if number seven what if the radioactive spider bit someone other than spider-man which is a pretty early marvel comic i want to say what if number seven is probably late or i'm sorry early 70s if not late 60s i don't have the number off the top of my head but uh so it'll be an interesting early look into what marvel thinks you know, uh, a different kind of Spider-Man will look like. And like most what-ifs, everyone dies at the end. Spoilers, <laughs> jeez. Um, after that, we'll be taking a look at the Edge of Spider-Verse number four as a kind of warm-up to Spider-Geddon, which I think will be kicking off in about a week or two after that comes off, or after that comes out. You know, as we get closer, we'll be revealing our big Spider-Geddon plans, so stay tuned for that. And do we want to do we want to reveal what the next block is now, or do we want to keep them waiting? I mean... They might be able to guess, but let's let's leave the suspense for a moment longer. The suspense rolling. Yeah, let's sling on over to the Patreon then. Uh, I'd like to thank all of our Patreon supporters for all the all the help that you guys have given us. If you would like to support the show with your hard-earned money for $3.99 a month, you can tune in to our Spider-Man B-Title reviews, which we serve exclusively to our Patreon subscribers, uh, where Matt and I will be discussing all the B-Books that are currently out, and with Spider-Geddon coming out, there are going to be a lot of them. It's going to be a big show. Uh, $10 a month will also get you into the Excelsior Club, where you will be getting... Uh, exclusive Spider-Man art commissioned by Spider-Man artists you know and love. And of course, we would like to thank all of our listeners, not just the Patreon, for listening to the show, for talking about it, for hopefully sharing it with other people. You know, we, do, we don't do this for our own satisfaction. We do this for you guys and hopefully so we can start 
a bigger conversation about some of the forgotten stories in Spider-Man's greater library. It should be also noted the patrons aren't just supporting us, but they're uh, also and primarily supporting Dan and Mark's show, uh, getting those great interviews that they have coming up and other associated needs with the amazing Spider-Talk. who? <laughs> who? Oh yeah, those guys. Yeah. <laughs> Special thanks again to the LA Badge for providing our theme song. If you'd like to listen to more from the LA Badge, uh, check out the show notes for links. Matt, where can we find you on the internet this week? The, the same place you find me every week, Pinky. Uh, on Twitter, at MagicalMatt42. And where are you I'm on Twitter? I'm still under Kane Writes. I have not you know, disappeared under a rock yet. I, I realized a few shows ago I told you guys I was going Amish. I have uh, since changed my mind on on that, so I'm I'm here to stay. Uh, <laughs> Shoot, I was looking for a new Ooh, co-host. Well, yeah, sorry, you know, you guys are stuck listening to me drone on. <laughs> uh, you can also find our show on Twitter at Untold Talks SPMN or on Facebook at Untold Talks of Spider Man. You can also email the show at Untold Talks of Spider Man at gmail uh, I know some of you have been emailing us and it took a little while for us to get back to you, but I promise we are going to be much better about replying to your emails. So please keep them coming. Curious use of the term <laughs> we there, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So until Matt and I are hunted by lizards and then start acting like lizards so our nervous systems adapt to these new patterns, changing our bodies and becoming more lizard-like, make mine untold. Spider-Man. Spider-Man.